Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. With a very special WWE interview episode of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back once again and through our very travels over the last couple of weeks the silver king has been able to compile a number of interviews with wwe superstars that we are going to present to you for the first time on this special edition of the podcast we have an absolute ton to get to on this show you will hear from seth rollins brutus creed julius creed chad gable otis gunther bronson reed well technically you'll be hearing the silver king doing an impression of Bronson Reed because our audio got messed up, but you will hear all of his quotes from our interview and we will wrap up with Jade Cargill. Like I said, this is a special bonus episode of the podcast. So before we get into all the individual interviews, allow the Silver King to remind you that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about Defy. So please head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave those five-star ratings, on Apple, take a little extra time, leave a five-star written review. If you do, we will read it live right here on the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for episode drops, news, analysis, highlights, all of that good stuff. Twitter is also where you can DM and tweet us questions and comments for the show. We'll at least read them and hopefully we'll consider them and actually read them on air as well. And by the way, if you don't have Twitter and you want to write into the show, you can do that Getting Over Pod at gmail.com. Please also remember, I happen to love the number five. And I hope you do as well, because for $5 a month or 50 for the entire year, you can become an official getting overhead. Just visit buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Sign up for that $5 a month or 50 for the entire year. You will get bonus audio, the fastest five minutes in professional wrestling, instant recaps for Raw, NXT, Dynamite, and SmackDown every single week, along with exclusive news posts every Friday. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. You can sign up. And if for some reason you don't want to do that and you just want to contribute financially to the continuation of the show, you can hit us up on Venmo. It's real easy, at Adam Silverstein. My name is spelled E-I-N at the end. And the logo on that Venmo account is the ECW World Heavyweight Championship, so you know you're headed in the right direction, but we're still trying to pay some host costs. Certainly, we're looking for some new equipment so that when we do these interviews in the future, uh, they will sound better. And that's actually the transitional topic that we can use right here. Let me just be completely candid with all of you. Uh, At the Royal Rumble press junket that we attended, the Silver King was trying to find a, let's call it, cost-effective solution to this interview process. The options were basically to spend $200 on a new microphone and a new connection cable and a whole bunch of other stuff or $20. So the Silver King said, you know what? Let's go spend $20. We don't even know exactly what we're going to get. And what happens when you spend $20 instead of $200 is you get a $20 recording quality. And that's exactly what happened here. So for all the interviews that you hear from the Royal Rumble press junket, you know, the fact of the matter is I cleaned them up best I could. I reduced and adjusted the audio best I could. 
uh, but they kind of sound like trash. But you do get to hear the questions and the answers. That is immensely positive. We did have one interview with Bronson Reed that completely got wiped out. We'll discuss that a little bit later. And another issue that we had is because it was a Bluetooth microphone setup, uh, there were a couple of occasions in which I guess the Bluetooth connections got crossed. So I had to cut around some stuff. You might hear some keyboard typing in the background. None of that's me. I was standing talking to these people one-on-one, but that is what you're going to get over the course of this episode. You know, we here at Getting Over pride ourselves on the audio quality, on the production quality of the podcast. But what I was not about to do was spend, you know, two hours over there and do all this work, not have you hear the fruits of it. I will also note that we're going to start and conclude this interview episode with, as mentioned, interviews with Seth Rollins and Jade Cargill. Both of those are short in nature. They were done by, let's call him a getting over correspondent, our friend Jamie, friend of the show, uh, over at the WrestleMania kickoff junket that followed the WrestleMania kickoff event. So they were short in nature. He got a lot of time, or more time, I would say, uh, with Seth Rollins, not as much with Jade, uh, but we have them as part of the podcast as well. And I'm just excited to finally present all of these to you. So we're going to go through them one by one. We'll have a little transitional sound between them, uh, but we're going to kick things off with none other than the world heavyweight champion, Seth Rollins. Uh, what were your thoughts when they said they were going to introduce this title? And uh, what was your reaction when you saw this new design? Uh, well, first of all, the title's beautiful. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's uh, it's got like kind of an ode to the old school big gold belt um, and with, with a lot of uh, kind of new flair. You got the big logo, beautiful, right, in, in the center. So you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, and when it was introduced, I think I said what everybody else was saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to have a world championship to fight for around here. You know, because for years we weren't. We weren't able to, whether it was Brock Lesnar and now Roman Reigns and the part-time schedule. Like, it just didn't exist. There was a glass ceiling, and it sucked. It sucked for talent that every so often you'd get the opportunity, but it was one at a time. It was three or four months, and then you're just idling in between, man. You're trying to find your footing, and it's difficult. And so... Wife's going nuts over there. And so I think I speak for our entire locker room and everybody watching. Hallelujah. We're going to have a heavyweight title, a men's heavyweight title on Raw every single week at the live events, every single show. And there's no glass ceiling. You can fight for this title. You can find a way and I'll give you a crack. And if you're better than me, take it and run with it. And so that that was my thought. I think that was everybody else's as well. You have a obviously incredible WrestleMania career and list of achievements there. What what's on your WrestleMania bucket list before you know before you call it a career? What what is what is still a goal of yours to be on the marquee, baby? That's what I want. I want the headline. You know what I'm saying? I want the main event. I want the last match. That's what I want. And 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 I was just telling Sap over there. It's it's one of those things where I've had the cash in. Arguably a bigger moment than being on the main event because the main events get forgotten sometimes, especially when they're crap. Uh, but that moment is iconic and it lives forever. And so um, I, I still work best when I got something to fight for. And so when I have that goal, uh, that's the one. I can I can come to work, I can put in 110%, and I can try to get to the main event of WrestleMania. Um, Bears fan, obviously. Yes, sir. Big decision coming up, Justin Fields or draft Caleb Williams or maybe somebody else. Mm. What, are your, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm a Fields guy, man. I'm a Fields guy. I love him. I love what he does. I love what he stands for. I think he's got the capability to take a team to the Super Bowl, and I'd like it to be my team and not somebody else's team. So I think we keep building around him, move forward, and uh, if we continue the progress that we made this season, next season is going to look real good. 
All right. Thanks to Seth Rollins, of course, and Jamie for that interview. Real interesting. His take on the World Heavyweight Championship itself. Not sure that's actually something I've heard him discuss before. Seth is someone that we here at Getting Over are seeking to get a long-form interview with ahead of WrestleMania 40. We're going to continue those efforts, but for now, great to get a snippet of him on today's show. Let's go ahead and move on to our full set, or I don't want to say full set because it's not all the way there, but our majority set of Alpha Academy interviews in succession here. We're going to have Brutus Creed, Julius Creed, Chad Gable, and Otis all interviewed by the Silver King in St. Petersburg, Florida. We're going to do transitions between each of them individually, uh, but we will go ahead and wrap up those conversations at the end. So let's go ahead and take it away with Alpha Academy. All right, Adam Silverstein with getting over here with Brutus Creed. This has been a fast rise for you and your brother in WWE. But I've always been curious. There are two different types of amateur collegiate wrestlers as far as I'm concerned. Those that get into wrestling for that mm-hmm. or those who are WWE pro wrestling fans before right. saw that as an avenue. Always been curious, did you guys have a passion for pro wrestling before you ever started amateur or collegiate wrestling or is this something that has come because of that experience? I think a little bit of both but definitely we've always had a passion. Like, uh, I, I, I before I even had a memory and I only know this because of home videos, I would be getting a Goldberg blanket or something okay. for my uh, birthday. So like, I think we've always fell in love with it. We just didn't know exactly how to get there and navigate to the right path to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, like I said, even when I was 12, like I caught Kurt Angle's shirt, um, had him sign it. Oh, you so know? you're going to events. You were a fan. Yeah, I was a fan my whole life. Um, and, and so wrestling was uh, just something that ever since my dad uh, did it, he made us do it, which we've always been around. I mean, I remember five years old, I'm running around on mats, and he's coaching some junior high team. So I think we've always been around it in our whole life. We just didn't know how to navigate through it. So we were going to give it our all, give it our best. And hopefully the outcome was we get here. And so yeah. it is right now, fortunately yeah. and thankfully. But yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both for sure. You know, it's just everyone takes that different path. Like I said, there's some who they play football and they do wrestling on the side. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this pro wrestling is kind of cool. I want to do this. And then there's others who grew up with it like you. So that's really cool. Uh, what? So you're in the PC, you're there, you're a couple days in, let's say, uh, you meet, I assume, Ivy Nine, right? Yeah. How did that relationship develop so quickly? I, I just think work, work ethic, you know, respect in terms of, I see her working and how hard she's working and I can relate. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of were like, listen, like, you kind of you join us because we, we relate in that aspect at least, you know? It's kind of like uh, going to work with brothers, you know, you guys might fight and bicker, but at the end of the day, you guys respect each other because of what you've been through. Mm-hmm. So same thing with Ivy, right? Like, we, we, we uh, wanted to be with her, and she wanted to be with us, just be based off of her work, at, work ethic. And how we carried herself around the performance center was similar. And, our similar interests and stuff of, of work, just literally working hard is all it needed. No, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's such a unique like trio because in WWE historically, there haven't been many women that join a, a, a couple other guys and do a group that are like brother and sister. Yeah. You know, usually there's a valet or there's right. a romantic interest or something like that. But it's <laughs> such a unique dynamic that you guys have and doing all that stuff on social media too, interesting her and doing all that stuff, it's just so super unique. So I think people are really enjoying it. When... You guys were in college and obviously doing extremely well in, in wrestling. Who was it from WWE that ultimately reached out to you initially and kind of recruited you to come into the Joe company? Briscoe, man. He's yeah, that's the cool. man. Yeah. That's the way to do it. And he was on the tag, right? But he had a brother as well. So yeah, it's kind of cool that he reached out. It was just like, I think it was from a tweet. My brother tweeted. Okay. And I don't, I don't even use Twitter. 
or X. I don't know what it's called. I, I go to Twitter. I don't like change like that. It's fine. And X is a weird name too. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Here? Yeah. So what we did was tweet out to him like, I'm looking for WWE superstars, and Jacob responded, Joy, sorry, responded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, uh, he was like, yo, if you're around, here I am, you know. And, and he gave him the location, and he went out and watched him, and he's like, hey, you want to try out? And it just from there kept snowballing. Yeah. So so. I know there's a lot of uh, lore from people who go through the WWE Performance Center on how they get their wrestling names. So here's my question. It's very important for you and your brother. Was this something that you guys happened to come up with? Was there a list that you got to choose from? How did Julius and Bruce Creed come to fruition? Um, so they actually just reached out. They were like, hey, uh, what do you guys think of names? Get together, think about it. So we did. We got together. We threw out a few names, crazy names. Some didn't work. Some stuck. Some didn't. Um, but ultimately, he went with Julius because he felt like he was a conqueror, mm-hmm. and he conquered things throughout his whole life, which I understand. I went with Brutus sure. because growing up, I would always break things like door handles off of things. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was doing the laundry, I'd break the laundry handle. So we always knew I was just a brute, someone who walked around and just broke things. Yeah. And so we're like, let's go with these. I think, you know, everyone is um, aware, and you're fresh out of college relatively. Yeah. Uh, you know, Julius and Brutus, they have connotation, right? Right. So I feel like everyone is aware. If there's ever someone who's going to have a problem with their brother, it's probably going to be with them. I find that interesting that you guys have those names. So, you know, you guys got called up to the main roster. I mean, pretty quick compared to a lot of other people who go through the system. What do you think it was that you showed in NXT that allowed you to rise so fast and get that opportunity? Shoot, to be completely honest, I feel like we show something that no one's ever done before in the ring. And, that, and that's not a knock on anyone or anything. I just think we're so athletic and we do certain things and certain needs of strength that, like, you think you can compare it to certain people, so you want to. So people compare us to the Steiners and stuff. And I really like that the Hall of Fame um, caliber tag team, they actually are in the Hall of Fame. So it's like, that's a tremendous compliment. You know, we get compared to Kurt Angle, too. Um, and that's a huge compliment. He was a freak athlete, what they called medalist. And you look at us, and we've done things that you've never seen before. And you go, well, that was really cool. And it was like, it was out there. And it was just different. And I think that's the whole reason is we're just different. And yeah. we're, our, we're our own style. And people can gravitate to that because they've never seen it before. And it's even more so now. Like, there were, well, there was a time where Kurt, of course, was in WWE. Chad Gable, obviously. Yeah. Brings the amateur wrestling background. Yeah. But as young guys, there really aren't that many of the people in developmental right now that are doing what you guys can do. That makes it, for me, extremely unique. Kurt Angle. Yeah. Now, look, I know you've mostly been in the PC, and Kurt hasn't necessarily been around that much. Have you gotten any opportunity to meet with him and talk with him? I haven't. I know he mentioned us in a podcast. The only time oh, I met him when I was 12, right? <laughs> I want to meet him and talk to him, man. He seems like a great dude. I saw him on other podcasts talking about his life, and I've watched his documentary. I was like, yeah, dang, man. Documentary. Like, what a great guy, right? Like, it's someone you want to meet with and bond with. Like, he just seems like a chill, relaxing dude. I don't know, grab a beer with them. Yeah. I don't know if I can, right? I don't know. Well, you're 21, so you're you're to do that. I, I don't see why you couldn't do it. Uh, but no, I mean that's just such a unique, like, special type of person. Yeah. For yeah. you guys to be as was he a role model for you? The style? Oh, Any of those guys in particular? Uh, yeah, absolutely. All all three of them. Uh, Rick, Scott, and, and Kurt. And I gravitated to Kurt and Rick a lot. I think Rick's like animalistic dog kind of thing yeah. was really cool for me. I it just is. love the character of Rick. You know, like it's it was awesome. such an awesome thing. That's great. Well, look, Bruce, great to have you here. Enjoy the Royal Rumble. Maybe we'll see you in the match. We don't know yet, right? We're waiting <laughs> right. to find out. Yes, but that, you know, you want to talk about a quick rise. You go to the main roster, then maybe your first Royal Rumble. That would be fantastic. Appreciate your time, and good luck uh, the rest of the weekend and in your career. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate sure. meeting you. For sure. I'm Silver Scene of Getting Over here with Julius Creed. Just got done speaking with your brother. This has been a whirlwind for you guys, right? Coming from, of course, the collegiate amateur ranks to the Performance Center now to the WWE uh, main roster. What has the last 
two, two and a half, three years been like for you? Um, you know, it's been a whirlwind in a lot of ways for sure. But at the same time, you know, it, it kind of feels like it was something that was always supposed to happen. Uh, 2020, what a, what a year, right? What a wild time. Yeah. And I'm in a, a wrestling room in NC State, Raleigh, North Carolina. I get a phone call from him. He's at the national tournament. He's undefeated, supposed to become NCAA champ. And he calls me sobbing. And he says, man, they just canceled the tournament. I'm oh, not going to get to live right. my dream out. And I said, look, dude, I said, if the thing that we get away from the sport of wrestling is a material accolade that sits on a shelf or sits in a trophy cabinet and it gathers dust, I said, you failed to realize what this sport's really about. Right. It's about who you become in the process. And I, I gave him this pep talk and I said, this is setting you up for success of whatever's next. And he, and he got on board with it and uh, I did a good job. I did a good big brother talk and yeah. I'm proud of that. And then two weeks later, the Olympic trials that I was gearing up for got wiped out. And that same talk had to be rebounded and reiterated to me and I had to kind of live those words back. And uh, following that, I said, hey, man, it's time. I'm doing this WWE thing. If you want in on it, I'll get a U-Haul. I'll move you down with me. I'll cover all your bills until you get your tryout. Let's chase this dream together. This is your dream, too. He said, it is my dream. I said, all right, then let's do it. He tried to bail on the U-Haul. I had to throw him in it, kicking and screaming, basically, <laughs> is the truth of the situation. Uh, but I told him, when I said, come chase this dream with me, I said, give me three years, and I'll get us to where we want to get to. And you know, that was what I said at the time. Little did I realize how much he would have to do his part, how much he's grown as a person, Absolutely. how much he's grown as a performer. Uh, I look at him, and he is a completely different person than when we moved down here uh, in late 2022. So, so proud of him. But like I said, it's kind of always felt like it was supposed to happen this way. And, you know, this is, I think, the stepping stone of good things to come. He was telling me when you guys were younger, you're getting a Goldberg blanket thrown on you by your dad, and you're getting this, you're getting that. I think you guys met Kurt Angle, or he did yep. at least – when you so he said you basically cold called Joe Briscoe, I guess cold tweeted. Yeah. What was that? So you just you literally sent a tweet like, "Hey, we want to wrestle for WWE. What are you doing? Like, come out, reach out to us." Did he call you quickly after that? Did you have to send tape? Like, what was that process like? We grew up watching Monday Night Wars, like you said. So yeah. I knew who Jerry Jerry Briscoe was, right? Like he had been a figurehead on on Monday Night Raw at the time, um, and. I had just finished the Olympic trials in 2016. I was fifth, but I was like the youngest guy in the bracket. So I'm like, hey, there's a good shot. I'm going to be the guy next Olympic cycle. Uh, I'm watching the Olympic Games. I'm watching guys I beat or had at least competed against at the Olympic Games. And I see a tweet pop up randomly on my For You page or whatever of Twitter. And it's Jerry Briscoe. And he says, at the Olympic Games, recruiting the next big WWE superstar or whatever in Rio de Janeiro. And I said, ah, watch this. I'm going to get a reaction. I'm going to tweet at him. He had 30-something thousand followers. I'm like, he's never going to see this. Right. I, at the time, I didn't have, like, a real big following. And he likes it. He retweets it. He DMs me right away. He said, like, I said, whoever you're looking at, I'm bigger, I'm faster, I'm stronger, I'm a better prospect than them. You're wasting your time. He DMs me right away. He's like, cool, we're going to be watching this year. Like, prove it. <laughs> and then awesome. it coincided with my big breakout NCAA year. Yeah. Uh, he went to Southern Scuffle. I was Duke's first ever wrestler to win Southern Scuffle. I had four top ten wins at that tournament alone. And uh, the ball really got rolling there. But, man, that's kind of the story of ourselves, uh, yeah. uh, at least of me. My brother was, was successful at a very young age. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. Um, and I bet on myself. Even my parents. My parents are two of the people that are closest to me. I told them I wanted to wrestle D1. And they said, you know, maybe you should look at D3. And I said, <laughs> all right. I went and wrestled D1. Right. And I'm the, still, the, to this day, the best wrestler Duke University has ever had. Yeah. Uh, I bet on myself in all odds. When the chips are down, there's always going to be a chip on my shoulder. I'm going all in on ourselves. And uh, I know what we're capable of because I know how hard we were. 
and I, you know, I guess that's what 2024 is exciting about yeah. because I know how far we can go. All these people that maybe got a glimpse of it in NXT, we got a whole other gear we can hit. And we're going to hit that gear and we're going to be, you know, we're going to take this industry by storm. And yeah. I'm excited for that. The, the passion is just, I mean, it seems like it's relentless coming from you, which is awesome. Like to be able to have that kind of fire deep inside to succeed, that's exactly what it takes to do well in this business. What was the dream? I mean, you mentioned Olympics, obviously NCAA championships, there's world championships, and there's WWE. When you got started amateur wrestling at the very beginning, or maybe let's say a couple months or a couple years into it when you knew you were good at it. At that point, what was the dream? I don't I don't remember there being a time where it was like, hey, this was the set goal. You you live your life in milestones, right? And, and at one point the the only thing that mattered to me was a state title. My password to every single login was state champ. Um, and it's, it wrapped and consumed me 24-7. And then I got my dream shattered on a uh, Friday night in the Schottenstein Center in Ohio. I sat on my lap as an 18-year-old and I cried on my dad's lap as an 18-year-old kid. And my brother promised me in that arena, he said, you give me two years and I'll make that dream come true for you. And I flew up on a last-second flight to watch him wrestle in the state uh, finals match, and he made that dream come true to me. Uh, after that, sure, it was NCAA title. It was, uh, you know, world title. It was Olympic title. Uh, it was NXT tag titles. It was every single step. There's going to be a new goal. Um, I guess the truth of it then would be to go all in on whatever your dream is. And our dream right now is this. Our dream is to be... WWE Tag Team Champions. Our dream is to be the best and the biggest superstars we can be for this company that has provided for our families and made a way of life for our families since we were very young, you know, through entertainment, through, uh, you know, financial means, through getting to chase dreams. We've got an older brother. Uh, he tried out with me in 2018, and um, he was, at the time, he was kind of underachieving in life, and then this company got him geared up, and now he's living his dream, too, so... There's been a lot that this company has done, and, and we look forward to being the best possible versions of ourselves for it. You know, after people hear this, you're going to have to go come up with a new password format. This is probably right now WWE Tag Team Championships, soon World Heavyweight Champ. You know, we're going to know your passwords. You have to figure something else out. One last question for you uh, before we get you out of here. You're working, obviously, with Chad Gable right now. He's walked on the path that you're now trying to follow and run on to much of a degree. What is it like being able to work with him and... What kind of advice has he given you at this early juncture that you've already been able to utilize? I don't even know if Chad knows this, but uh, I tell my brother all the time, I'll see him sitting there, you know, at TV on Mondays or whatever, and he's, he's got the crew neck hoodie on, and he's sipping a cup of coffee, and he is just like the old grizzled wrestling coach that's in every single amateur wrestling room. He's got all the answers to any question you have. Um, he's not the most, like, you know, going out of his way kind of guy to, to – you know, give you advice and feedback when you're not asking for it. But if you ask for it, he will give you 100% of himself. And, you know, we're very just grateful to have a mentor like that right now. Absolutely. Well, great speaking with you. Nice meeting you as well. Passion's obviously incredible, like I said. If you wind up in the Royal Rumble, good luck. If not, I'm sure we'll be watching you on TV plenty of times uh, in the future. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. you. Uh, Adam Silverstein of Getting Over Here with Chad Gable. You know him from American Alpha, Alpha Academy. Uh, everything seems to be going right for you, finally, I guess, yeah. for a lot of fans <laughs> at least, right? You've had a lot of success. I'm not trying to yeah. downplay that yeah. at all. Uh, but I think there's been a significant amount of the WWE fan base that's been waiting for the Chad Gable singles run, right? <laughs> and we got a glimpse, at least for now, maybe we're getting more in the yeah. future, uh, of you being able to work with Google. What was that experience like? Not so much just wrestling singles, but I mean, 
fighting a guy like you is sure. obviously one of the most talented wrestlers in the world along with yourself. Sure. Um, it was so rewarding in the fact that I felt like I finally got my chance. It was like, almost felt like a test in a way, but I'm not sure it was. I'm just, that's what it felt like. But that's what I treated it like. So I said, we're not just gonna pass this test, we're gonna ace it and we're gonna over deliver. Uh, I've always prided myself on whatever you're given, you must over deliver. You must not just take it, run with it and do good with it, you must over deliver. That's what shows them that you're willing to like, to take it to the level that you need to. And I think we did that with the Grinkley thing. The entire feud overall, I feel like, was one of the best things, you know, in the entire company this whole year. So I was very proud of that, and I think I proved myself, hopefully, you know, going forward, that I can I can stand on my own legs. You can you step know? into those spots exactly. and perform. So, yeah, like I was kind of mentioning, I think for years, you were widely considered by fans as perhaps one of the most underrated, dare we say underused, sure. performers in WWE. Not so much that you weren't participating in entertaining fans, sure. but performing at the level that fans know you could, either on your own or just being given opportunities to do it in a team setting. What changed? Was it as simple as Paul Levesque stepping in, the creative opportunity that he presented? Did you happen to show something in another type of way? Sure. Like, what changed and how do you feel that has changed, perhaps not just for yourself, but for others as well? Sure. Uh, so maybe a couple things there. Uh, you said Paul stepped in, and, and for sure that had something to do with it. I think he has a firm grasp on you know, what my strengths are and knew that going in and that I had not been you know, maybe allowed or given the time necessary to portray those. And so I think that was almost felt like to me one of his first orders of business, like all across the board, was saying, let's get some quality, quality wrestling back on the product. And I was, a, I feel like I was a big part of that. Absolutely. And he had a lot of guys come in that he brought back um, or brought up from NXT. And fortunately for me, which was a very cool time period when that was happening, because I got paired with a lot of those guys in singles matches. Uh, you know, whether it was Gargano, Ciampa, when Braun came back, um, you know, there's a whole gamut of these guys that if you look back, I was their first match, Elias at the time. Mm -hmm. And like, it was unique for me because it's like, it was almost like you get Gable first, you get Gable first, you get Gable first. And not only did it help those guys get back and establish themselves, but all of a sudden the whole audience is watching me have these like, you know, they weren't long pay-per-view style matches, but they're like seven to 12 minute weekly good TV matches. And if you like were a fan of like like I was in the '90s of like WCW, those are the guys that I fell in love with, yeah. and like like really attracted me and got my attention were guys I watched on a weekly basis and knew I was going to get this awesome match from them. Yep. And then when their character came out, it was like, okay, I love that guy. And I think that was what Paul did for me was like give me that chance to just establish myself on a weekly basis with our audience as more than just the shush and thank you guy. And then uh, once once he saw that I was willing to do that and plug me into something more serious, we, we got there, man. So. It's fun to do the shoosh and the thank yeah. you stuff if you also get to wrestle sure. and show out. Exactly. That's fine as long as sure. it comes with that other part. Yep. So you mentioned like you know seven, eight, nine minute matches. Something we talk about on the podcast all the time, I just want to get your take yeah. on is, and I understand there's a lot of considerations. There's commercial breaks sure. and there's all these things. But when you go out there, you're given three, four minutes. Yeah. It does, even though you can put a string of moves together and you can have a lot of fun, it doesn't necessarily give you or your opponent an opportunity to get over. It, it doesn't provide 
the crowd a reason to get invested into the match and right. be able to go. That is one of the biggest differences I think that we've seen sure. from creative recently. Now, that's not to say it never happens, but how important is it, at least, I'm, I'm actually curious, is, do you sure. agree or do you disagree? How important is it to be able to get that kind of time when you're going out there trying to prove something, trying to entertain, versus them saying to you, hey, you got 3.30, go out there and yeah. you know just entertain really quick. Well, I think it comes down to, you know, you mentioned getting over and, you know, resonating with an audience. Some of it also comes down to just being a professional, like I would say. So if that's what's asked of you on a certain night as a professional, I mean, it's not so much about putting on a boo-boo face and being upset and being like, oh, I'm not getting my chance to get over here. It's more about being like, well, this is what they need from me. And regardless of the time, I'm going to give... I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be cheesy and say, I'm going to give it my all. Right. But, you know, I, I'm not going to lie either and say that I, I don't get disappointed at times if they tell me, oh, you've only got three minutes for this match. But I always, by the time match time comes or the day of or a little later on, I'm going, screw that. Like, we got three minutes, let's do something here. And you'll know, like, the people that care, you're going to get the best three minutes they possibly can, whatever it is. Right. Uh, no. Could you, could you get way more like connection with the audience and way more storytelling if you get some more time of course but we're also a tv show and there's a lot of people on our roster so you got to keep in mind the professionalism that uh, portion of it and also that you know those guys sitting in the locker room for those three minutes that aren't on the show at all that night that would love to have those three minutes so a lot of it boils down to perspective and that took me a long time to learn too so during uh, this sorry during this period of time where Perhaps you were not being utilized to your fullest. Sure. Like I was saying, a lot of the talk was Chad's got to get out of there. Yeah. He's got to either go somewhere else or do something else, whether that was, let's say, a TNA before AEW existed, AEW now. Um, how close potentially were you to yeah. departing, and how frustrated were you during that time? Frustrated, yes. Uh, close to departing, not really ever. Uh, I'm a loyalty guy. Uh, my whole life has kind of been built on that. You know, I have a family man. I got three kids, um, and I, all that just to say that, like, I didn't start in this business and with this company to just like you know make the most money or or get utilized necessarily the best from the jump. Um, I did it to like have a career and a legacy, and I don't feel like I'm going to be able to do that if I'm jumping around and, and going to different places. So. And it's also a challenge to me, like a personal challenge to say, I'm not going to run from this and go try it somewhere else. Like, I'm going to make it work here. I'm going to force their hand, you know, like, uh, you know, you can look at it any different way and no way is right or wrong. But my way is like, I'll stay here. I'll make it work here and force their hand, you know, and the cream rises to the top always. And we're going to see it. So we are. Totally agree with that. I'll get you out of here on this. I was just speaking with Brutus Reed. Obviously, you've been working a little bit with him and Julius. So how much are you working with them right now on the road at TV, all that? And how unique has it been for you to see them make such a quick rise? Yeah. I'm not so much saying following in your footsteps, but they've taken a similar path sure. to get to pro wrestling. It's so cool, man. You're seeing more and more, like, and I was on the kind of front end of when we started signing a lot of amateur athletes in the background after the Olympics in 2012. And now it's just this, it's blown up. Like, that's what we're signing now, which is cool. Those guys are doing so good, and they're so athletic. And the only problem is they make me feel old because now I've, like, found myself to be the veteran, and they're asking me for advice and, and how to how to make it and all this stuff. But, I mean, I am so grateful, and grat- it's gratifying to be put in that role now, and I'm embracing it. So 
I'm happy for those guys and happy to answer any questions I can for them. They're awesome. Good. Well, man, great speaking with you. Nice Thank meeting you. you as well. Don't know if you're going to be in the Royal Rumble match, obviously, but yep. hope you are and hope you're able to show up. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Appreciate you. All right, Adam Silverstein of Getting Over here with Otis. Man, this must be a whirlwind for you coming up uh, to St. Pete. Got the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got the Royal Rumble coming up. Uh, not totally sure whether you're going to be in the match or, yet, or not yet. We're not sure. Oh, wait, actually, wait, did they announce me? I'm sorry. They didn't announce me. I'll tell you what, though. Why don't you put me at number one? Number one guy, Otis from Alpha Academy. Put me number one because I want to go after Gunther's record as the longest superstar in the All Royal right. Rumble and be the biggest low to last. What do you think about this trend on Raw right now towards, you know, as Biggie would call it, obviously, the big meaty men slapping meat. You're getting a lot yeah. of those opportunities. We're seeing Otis and Ivar, maybe hopefully soon Otis and Gunther coming up. Yep. Uh, is that the style that you prefer working, or do you actually like working with the smaller guys? I like, I, no, I love it both. Um, I think big, definitely big, me and Bronson Reed, we had a really good run yeah, there for, 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 for a good where, you know, he understood where I wanted to approve, and uh, we, you know, beat the hell out of each other, and and I think we get we get more matches out of those too because again we did it on Raw it kind of it kind of didn't mean anything mm-hmm. but this time like you know but I was thinking though too if he wants Biggie wants a tournament mm-hmm. I think we should do also a massive gauge match all the big load men in one ring I'm talking Omos Braun Strowman Ivar Big Braun Reed myself all the big dudes in one hell in the cell yeah it sounds good I just, just keep it down here just, just, sorry just start right <laughs> yes, you're hey, brother, it down there, okay? Yeah. Trust me, I, it's weird to tell people to hold the microphone right here. It's, it's very strange. I totally get you. Um, no, I mean, look, that sounds great, right? Doing a match like that on hopefully a big stage. I mean, you have to reinforce the ring post. Oh, he's yeah. going to be flying in that ring. That's brother. That's what we like to talk. The about. more weight, the more those boards move. <laughs> so it's well known, obviously, that you and Chad Gable had a relationship, you know, prior yeah, yeah. to WWE. When you guys ended up getting paired together, was that something that you or he or both of you were pushing for? Mm-hmm. Or was that something that happened otherwise through creative where they decided it made sense? It wasn't exactly a push. It was, it was um, just circumstance. It was kind of like uh, if we're going to do this thing where um, Mike or Ms. Mm-hmm. is um, taking away my, uh, my, my, my lady, the, the, the briefcase, all this stuff is about the lowest point. And Gable always had this Gable method in mind. Mm-hmm. So it kind of... Now, honestly, we traveled together anyway, so he wasn't in any, any program besides working with Sheamus at the time, and it was like, dude, let's just do it. So we, it's kind of crazy, you know, being friends for all these years, and mm-hmm. we're now tag team champion, you know, sharing tag team uh, title gold, hopefully for a second time. Was being in WWE and doing what you're doing now a goal when you were younger, or is it something that kind of came about later and you were able to embrace no. it? No, uh, there was since I could probably breathe. Or, I mean, I can't remember my first match. It was always... Uh, I remember cutting up vegetables for stew. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, we actually had a, a carrot or two in stew. That was it. But <laughs> not just meat and potatoes, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, right. garlic. That was our original garlic. <laughs> and I remember Raven wrestling somebody on Thunder. That was my very first memory as like I mean, three or four or five year old. Sure. Why they trust me with a knife as a, as a five year old, I don't know. But I was <laughs> cutting carrots, and I was in awe, and I never looked back. So. I look back as in, like, not reality-wise, if I could be a superstar, because, again, like, I'm a good typical-looking guy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, once I saw Gable, you know, kicking ass and where he was, I go, that's it. I'm going to give it a, give it the old try. I remember myself, it was, like, Tatanka on WWE Superstars. Yes. On, on a Saturday morning, I'm like, what is this? Yep. What is this guy, <laughs> and why is this so cool? And, and then that's it. That was eight, and ever so, since then. So that's you, know, you, you, you have to know why. You, just got you to don't me. even need Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, so you're... I was talking to Chad, and 
you know, he's had an interesting oh, right. in oh, WWE, yeah. obviously. Ten long years. Long years. A lot of frustration fans, obviously, for a long time were angry that he wasn't getting some of these singles opportunities that he's just been, recently yep. been getting. Um, and what he told me was, it was, I guess you mentioned positive mindset, and obviously that's something that we see on screen, but that seems to be real life with him as well, where he was kind of sitting there, look, yeah, it was frustrating, but I decided yeah. I'm going to go see this all the way through. And I think about your career, and it's a little bit different because you've had pretty much more of a steady incline, I would say, at least. But when Heavy Machinery broke up, and a lot of people said, man, what are they doing? Because that team was made for a success. Did you see that as an opportunity, or did you see that as a frustration where you spent so much time working on that? Frustration, wasn't frustration for sure. Um, and obviously, Tom, just you. you just couldn't get it through, um, again, to like the – it depends on like what what to invest in the show. So it was just like the, the idea was like for me and Tucky, like he's my I'm the you know the crazy guy. He's mm-hmm. the big brother, and I feel like we were and the interesting house shows. Like people would be like, I don't know about these guys. Like you know, the boyfriend would talk crap. Right. The girlfriend would think it's cute. And then all of a sudden, we got done working. They were you know on their feet course, screaming. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it was enough time. And again, the split happened where you know I ended up being money in the bank. So it was just like it, it, I remember. When we did that talking smack, I think it was mm-hmm. that when we, we did we did it where we did the thing where all oh, we hugged and we were sad. But he, Tucky was actually crying. He was walking away, and I go, "Dude, don't tell me you're crying. I'm gonna cry." Because <laughs> I mean, he's emotional. One of the two. Sure. But it was no. It was it, it was it was short lived too much. I feel like we could have had at least a decade. Yeah, I feel was, like you could have because it's listen. It was an old school tag team. But you don't have old school tag teams now, and that's why exactly why it would have worked. Just, just an organic couple of guys. I mean. Yeah. He was, he was, you know, I mean, we're basically, basically the same. The only difference between him is he was a hunter and they were venison and, uh, you know, moose. I was just beef, beef. and pork. <laughs> That's all I fucking did. Yeah, that makes sense. So you talked about money in the bank, obviously. Was that something you knew was coming? I know it was the pandemic. No. I know it was a weird situation. When did you find out that you were getting So the here, Jimmy Noel comes up to me and goes, see me climb this, climb this uh, ceiling. I got an idea for if you want to, you know, but you didn't say it was winning it. I was just kind of and I, to and see if you could get up there. Dude, like, but I am this big dude on this yeah. ladder. Yeah, I'm not a big. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah. Jamie Noble, and he's up there in his cowboy boots. He's like, all right, let's get up here now. <laughs> and I got and I go and he goes, "Hey, once you had the briefcase, you look like King Kong by the flag, the WWE flag." Mm-hmm. And I go, "So I'm winning." He goes, "Yeah, idiot." I go, "You didn't tell me." And then. It was it was a very weird day. It was a long. So you're saying literally, Jamie Noble just randomly was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you're winning this match." But like he was going through something I already knew. Like he literally right. was shocked that I was like, "Why are we in the room?" That's roof? amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's a very energetic guy. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, so look, another big change obviously that's come has just been creative overall for all the back taking on oh, yeah. the entire role as opposed to none for, you know, for yeah. a long period of time. Uh, I've been trying to ask everyone just to get a general feeling of. How different does it feel coming to work with him in charge of Raw, SmackDown, etc.? You know, everything. It feels a lot like NXT, honestly. It was kind of, you almost forgot it was, because in NXT, you know, he's there, he's, you know, he's participating in like the rehearsals that, that need to be needed. And it just was like, it just, you know, Vince, Vince was Vince and mm-hmm. different style there, you know what I mean? The different kind of uh, uh, tone sure. that he wants to show. and. <laughs> You got Hunter, you know what I mean? We're we, we bringing back the wrestling in a lot, a lot into the picture, along yeah. with a lot of entertainment. Because, again, you can, you can go entertainment a lot. And this is coming from me, too. I love entertaining stuff and goofy stuff. Sure. But, you know, there's time that you know, people want to see competition. And that's changed. That's definitely changed on the show where now we're getting these matches where we can, you know, obviously with a big man like 
yeah, like the little guys can go, but they'll prove that big guys can go as well. Yeah, I was talking to Chad about that too. It's, it's so interesting for me, and I know that you can entertain in three minutes. You can go out there, you can do a couple power moves, get the crowd going, especially you, they, they love you so much. But when you get seven, eight, nine, ten minutes in the ring, you actually are able to tell a bit of a story and get both yourself and the opponent over. Oh, yeah. Do you guys see it the same way, where it's like you get three minutes, you're like, look, I'm going to go do my job, I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah. But when you get eight, nine, ten, or, or more, you, yeah. you feel like it's like you can chew into that and actually accomplish something. I, I, I don't like, I can't say that I like this. At the moment, I, no, no. So I don't like it. I like it afterwards. I don't like okay. it. Sometimes there's miscommunication and you get added time. Okay. And that's the biggest high for me is improving a little bit. Well, it's just like, well, well we can't get there because once we get there, brother, we got to go. So it's uh, pretty funny how uh, you can kind of like the guy who I've been there with, like, I'm like, they're basically telling me, go do this. And I'm going to say, oh, I got it. So that's the, the fun part of it, but it's stressful a little bit because I'm like, because now you got to think, well, how much time do we really have? Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's. Yeah, man, it's, those are probably the ones that now I, I love and hate relationship with. <laughs> when, so when Maxine Dupree, when you were starting to work with her and the Maximum Male Models, oh, yeah. obviously that got cut off. Uh, yeah, it seemed, way too soon. Way yeah. too soon. All right, that's what I was going to ask you. So yeah. there was something, there was a plan there. There was something there. Yeah. And were you guys super enthused about that and just Ab ended up getting cut? Ab we were absolutely excited. Um, I worked... I didn't. I worked Brendan Lee in NXT or Nason. I don't know what his name was in, as a model, but <laughs> he. Uh, I remember just being like, "Oh man!" Like because the, the outline plan was very good. Okay. But it can't. It would have made them look so evil. It made me look okay. Completely vulnerable, and things just got changing. And then pretty soon, you know, next thing you know, they liked us with they put us with her. So it was just, it was a really weird. Because yeah. we've done a few tours with those guys, where you know they're it was just fun and. No, we could get on TV, man. Oh, those guys are those guys are great too. Was the general idea? I mean, you know, I'm sure you don't want to go into the whole thing, but was the general idea that she was seriously interested in you as a model, and they were going to do whatever they could to make it, it work? No, was sat, like sabotage me. So like Sa they were sabotage. They were they were to think they, they were to try exact words it, but it was like eventually, like they just I'm out there trying to be a legit model, right? You know, they, okay. They, they pull out the tron, they're just laughing at me and all this stuff. Because when you started, I was, making I, I was supposed to cry as a, as, a, as a grown oh, man. Okay. So yep. When you started making that progression, it was like, man, this is going to be good. It was, and then we just didn't get it. Yeah, but it's working out now. I mean, we got to say, like, you know, Maxine being with you guys, entertaining. She's clearly growing in the ring, which is yep. super impressive. And obviously, because I was bringing an additional comedy element, the Creed brothers. I know they're maybe not officially with you guys yet, but how interesting is it for you to see two young guys like them kind of come up and make such a quick rise onto the main roster? The Creed Brothers? Yeah, the Creed Brothers, yes. Yeah, like they're, uh, you said a couple of studs there, uh, one of those guys. The, uh, just funny how, like, well, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm going to be very excited when they get it, like when they really, the light bulb kind of goes off because um, still in between just by watching it, it just a little experience, like, oh, man, if he, you know, he's going he's gonna to get it. It's going to take some time, you know what I mean? That's, that's how we all are. And um, Like I said, like, Julius is, is as strong as an ox. You know, if he picked me up with the Frankensteiner, I said, brother, it's going to be a load, all right? So. But, you know, we get up there, you know, and, and of course, Bro, uh, Brutus is a sweetheart. So he's easy, he's easy to get a pop in the, in the locker room. So it's like, yeah, great guys, you know, and they're, they're going to be, you know, I see a future for sure in those guys. Awesome. Brutus, thank you for the time, man. Appreciate it. Awesome opportunity to speak with the Alpha Academy guys. I realize now, and I also realize a moment ago when I suggested they were all in the same group, in the same faction, that's not actually true. The Creed Brothers and Ivy Nile are, of course, not part of Alpha Academy as of right now, but nevertheless, they're all running together. So 
throwing them in the same uh, interview slice makes a lot of sense, at least as far as the Silver King was concerned. In terms of takeaways from those interviews, I got to tell you, Brutus Creed, super nice guy. I mean, he would have spoken with me for three hours if I wanted to stand there with him. Uh, but really nice, really down to earth, good head on his shoulders, both him and Julius. You can tell just raised extremely well uh, by their parents, couple good kids. I say kids, I'm really... I know I'm older than them, but I'm not old enough for them to be my kids, but I, I digress. Uh, Julius, the passion from him really showed out in a significant way. I mean, this is a guy that is supremely confident, knows what he is capable of, knows what his brother is capable of, and he's just not someone who's going to be stopped. Like, you talk about what does it take to, you know, main event WrestleMania to be the guy in WWE, what you heard from Julius in that interview is a lot of what it takes. It's those characteristics, the gumption, the drive, the passion. And obviously he has the skill. So sky's really the limit for him. Sky's the limit for Brutus as well. I'm not trying to differentiate between the two, but you could tell just through those interviews back to back, they are completely different people who just happen to not just be brothers, but live on the same wavelength. It's like the thread line, the through line through both of them even though their personalities are quite different. That's pretty much what I'm trying to say. Uh, my Chad Gable interview, I got to tell you, is probably, I don't want to say necessarily the favorite one that I did because the Bronson Reed conversation is great. The Gunther conversation you're going to hear in a moment was awesome as well. But the honesty that Gable showed regarding his time in WWE, his process of coming to grips with perhaps his role in the company and the fact that, he said, you know what? Look, I'm a company guy. I have a family. I'm really happy. Yes, could I have gone somewhere else and potentially been champion? Uh, could I have wrestled, quote unquote, better matches or gotten more time? Yeah, he probably could have, but there was never actually a consideration of him leaving WWE, which is so counter to what so many other people wanted for him. Oh my God, he obviously is frustrated. He must hate it there. Why doesn't he just go to fill in the blank, New Japan or AEW, or whatever the case might be, Chad Gable likes being a WWE superstar. And now I think we can all kind of agree he's gotten a taste of the life, what it can be to be a singles performer, a singles champion potentially, to have those high stakes matches against Gunther. I don't know why they stopped that pusher storyline. It seemed like they were cooling him off a little bit on purpose to then go back to it, but they haven't gone back to it. So you know, obviously the Royal Rumble is in the past. Gunther, as we tape this podcast, is about to defend his title against Jey Uso, his scheduled opponent for WrestleMania based on what we know. Brock Lesnar doesn't seem like that match is going to happen. So then we say, okay, who fills in? And I got to tell you, there's far, far, far worse options than Chad Gable. I've said it before. I'll say it now. Chad Gable, Sheamus, one of them should probably be taking the title off of Gunther at WrestleMania or shortly thereafter. So when you listen to him in this conversation, all you could do is root for him more. And he was a super good guy. Glad he gave us the time. I appreciate Chad there. And Otis, not to be discounted whatsoever. I got him alone, as you could tell, in a quiet corner of everything that was going on. You know, personality plus, he's the guy you want to go, I was going to say get a beer with, but he's the guy you want to go have a steak with, right? You want to go to the barbecue joint and just chill and laugh and have a great time for a couple hours. Uh, you could feel the energy coming off of him throughout. People were seeing me interviewing him and, and walking by and like couldn't help but smile seeing him. And yeah, he's got something with the ladies, clearly. Also, I thought it was interesting that he gave us a little bit of insight 
into the angle with maximum male models and how that was going to transpire. So thanks again to Brutus Creed, Julius Creed, Chad Gable, and Otis for the time right there. With that, let's go ahead and transition into my interview with Gunther. And I was able to get him one-on-one away from all of the noise at that Royal Rumble press junket. Unfortunately, I'll repeat here, the equipment I used was not ideal. And we had some type of Bluetooth snafu where our lines got crossed with another interviewer and completely overwrote pretty much the first question. I asked Gunther about the period of time where he was over in NXT UK, and it was well known that he just had no desire to move to the United States full-time, even if WWE was offering him a main roster spot. He said it was the right time in his life to do it now, and previously it was not. Looking back, he feels like holding out was the right decision because it felt like it was a gold rush in Europe, I'm using his words, and he wanted to see how the landscape fell before he made a decision whether to go all in with WWE or not. My second question was whether he was surprised how quickly the WWE audience has accepted him given he's a foreign heel. And sometimes there's a hesitancy there to actually cheer for that person. You just want to boo them, not you, but common WWE fans, at least back in the day, they automatically boo. They don't necessarily care. They just want to see the baby face go over big. That's not the case with Gunther. He's obviously getting a big fan reaction. People love him. And yet he's still holding that role. So that is where we pick up our interview, though I will note there will be a couple occasions where you hear that other person, whoever the interviewer was that crossed their lines with us, they're typing in the background. It's a little bit annoying. Other than that, you're going to hear the interview I was going to say in its entirety, in the rest of its entirety. With that said, here is the WWE Intercontinental Champion, Gunta. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it always helps when you're a little bit of independent wrestling darling. I would say. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, it helps it a little bit too because, on the other hand, I I gotta honestly say I was not convinced that my style is mm-hmm. would succeed 100 over here. Um, because it's very different and it's very, yeah, it's just the opposite of what the typical WWE wrestling is. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I feel like times change now and people are way more open to different things mm-hmm. and get more and more educated about our sport. I feel like where 10 years ago, the regular WWE event was way less educated about in-depth topics of professional wrestling. Yeah. I think that changed too. So it just, yeah, another timing thing. Because I think in general, it's a, the, the, the right guy at the right time, the right place. So, yeah. You, you seem like someone who's not constantly online, which is probably a very good thing. Yeah. But there was actually a recent uh, conversation about uh, someone brought up, a, they were trying to criticize him, like, what is Gunther's finisher? And for me, the yeah. unique thing about you is sure you have moves that you can use to end a match, but it's just brutality, yeah. one way or another. Uh, is that something that was like a conscious decision where I'm not going to, yeah, I do the powerbomb, yeah, I can do the splash, um, you know, many myriad other moves. Uh, was that like a conscious decision to say, hey, you know what, I want to be able to go out there, beat people in a variety of ways, because to me, that's always how pro wrestling should be. That's how a boxing match is. Yeah. Someone gets an uppercut, someone get, gets punched in the gut, and that can end a match just the same way. Yeah, I mean, I always try to approach everything I do in wrestling with logic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought of some... Days a power bomb is more effective, and in some days a lariat is more effective. Um, it just depends on the situation, and 
I just always tried on that. I was never really invested in the showmanship of our sports, which I get is a huge upside to that, but it's just never been, I always just done in the ring what I personally enjoyed. I, was, I cannot judge what everybody else likes, but I can try to be someone that I really enjoy being, or that I would think if I watch it, I would like it. Mm -hmm. And then I would, I can just bet on, okay, the other people are going to like it then. At yeah. least it's an original version of that. Someone, I don't want to necessarily say following in your footsteps, but wrestling in a similar manner and succeeding, and I think on a similar career path to you, yeah. is Ilya Dragunov right oh, yeah. now. Obviously, you guys had two of, I mean, I'll just say straight up my favorite matches, um, you know, over the last couple of years. Is it almost with him a matter of not if but when on the main roster? And do you think he would have the same level of success as you do for those similar reasons? Oh, it's... Definitely not even for win uh, for Ilya to come up here. And I think he's one of the best wrestlers we have for the world right now. Mm -hmm. uh, hasn't reached his full potential. I think there's much more room to grow for him. Um, but yeah, but I think Ilya, like we had so many matches back in Germany already. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like when we were in WXW and that place was, we had, we had like a core team that would like tour every weekend together and wrestle every weekend each other. I think the whole philosophy there when it came to wrestling was pretty much almost the same approach as I have to my wrestling. And so you can definitely tell a similar influence that we both had. Um, but yeah, I think he's gonna, he's definitely gonna succeed in whatever he wants to do. For any, let's say independent wrestler, but particularly someone from overseas, uh, international who's coming into WWE. There's a lot of people who might look down and say, why does Gunther, why does Ilya Dragunov, Shinsuke Nakamura, Fendaler, why do they need to go to NXT? Yeah. Did you find that experience to be valuable before you made that move to the main roster? Or do you feel like you could have just made that jump directly? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a, a preparation. And people always go like, ah, you shouldn't. It's, it has nothing to do with the wrestling. It's just the stage that WWE has on the main roster is just the stage that nobody else has. So it doesn't matter where you come from. Mm -hmm. If you haven't wrestled here before, you have not made that experience. Mm -hmm. So NXT is a good way to get accustomed to that and then make the jump. But that's case by case. Some people go directly and they can succeed as well. It's just a very individual decision, I guess. And a lot of guys might prefer to just start in NXT, live in Orlando, then travel, you know what I mean? Instead of just jumping into it right away and jump on the roller coaster. Was there comfort getting used to America? Like, oh, yeah, so, yeah. like you know, living in one spot, knowing that you're going to eventually be going on the road. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It makes it easier. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, I know you've been asked about this a million times, yeah. but your body transformation has been yeah. very, uh, not just significant, but inspirational yeah. to a lot of people. And I'm not sure how to ask you this question. What ultimately led to you deciding to do that transformation? Because you would have succeeded the way you were, you would succeed the way you are now. Was it just purely a health thing? And was it difficult for you to get into that mindset to make that change? Just someone obviously larger like myself, that is something that I struggle with. It's like, I know it's obviously healthier to be yeah. better and be better built, but it's getting into it and then having that motivation to see it all the way through. Um, I mean, before it was kind of like, I knew it wouldn't hurt, but I felt comfortable how I was, and I also always felt in the indie wrestling or wrestling purist romantic sense, having the kind of body was kind of like a cool thing to do because of all those greats and stuff like that, uh, that looked like it. But when I when it was time to go to the main roster, I thought, okay, I gotta bring best version of myself. 
and make that upgrade. And yeah, just in general, just it's to be honest, it's get started, and once you're two weeks in, it's very easy because you don't want to break out of it again. Right. Because you're seeing the progress, and, and it's working. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it is just at the end of the day, it's always the trade-off. It's a hard truth. <clears throat> is it instant pleasure or is it reaching your later goal? Right. And you just have to get used to just devalueize that instant pleasure because there's really not as much value in it that we all think is. So yeah, that's great advice. And I'll get you out of here on this. You've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it. Uh, Bash and Berlin obviously yes. is coming up. How? Like when you were informed yeah. that that was happening, what like kind of went through your head? I'm sure that the fans in Germany, Austria, Europe, that, that part of Europe, um, have been waiting, you know, for something like this to come for such a long time. What are yeah. your expectations? And like I said, what was your initial reaction to learning that news? Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, it's great. Um, I kind of like knew we would do something because even before COVID with NXT already, there were talks with. Like when we get asked, what would be a good city to do Germany and stuff? Um, and now it's actually happening with the, with the main roster while we're on here. It's, it's fantastic. And for us, it was always like Kaiser and I, we, we worked for WXW and we always were like, you know what? You just want to grind to make this sport like bigger again. And especially for Kaiser because his dad was a wrestler already. Right. It meant a lot. And now. We don't know part, we feel like that's the thing. Now we're coming to Berlin with WWE, and even though obviously I'm or he's not the sole reason for that happening, I think there's an argument that Absolutely. one of the driving factors is having us there. Uh, so that's a very, like, it's a very rewarding moment finding out, and still some time to go, and there's still so much up front for us this year, but when it's time, I'm gonna fully enjoy that. Yeah, that's true. And you mentioned Imperium. I didn't get a chance to ask you about it, but that gives us a reason to speak again. So yes. Nice <laughs> nice meeting you, nice speaking to you, and, and thanks for taking the time and enjoy the Royal Rumble. Best of luck uh, in the match. We know you're going to be in it. Thank you very much. Somewhat of a special thanks to WWE for making sure we got the opportunity to interview Gunther one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. He was an immensely busy guy there, and most of the interviews he did were with major outlets. He didn't go through the gauntlet of the press junket itself. So the fact that we got him one-on-one, -on -one, uh, even for the time that we did, was great. And like I said at the end of that interview, it does give us an opportunity to kind of follow up with him because I feel like there's plenty for us still to discuss with Gunther whenever we get that opportunity. I found his answer is fascinating as well, particularly, look, there's a lot of talk, just like you're going to hear in a moment. I asked the same question uh, to Bronson Reed about why do these major stars need to start out in NXT? Why does Dragon Lee have to go down there? Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, Gunther, you know, whoever. And these guys don't look at it from the same perspective as fans do. For them, it's not a developmental meaning like they need to learn how to wrestle but they got to learn a lot of other things, especially some of these international talents who just haven't lived in the United States before, just want to get acclimated for a little bit. There's plenty of reason why NXT can be beneficial for a wrestler beyond just the actual wrestling and training aspect of the facility. So it was cool to hear him talk about that. Obviously, more of a personal question that I asked him about his weight loss and the motivation and the mental preparation that he had to make. And I just thought, his answer there was brilliant. You have to kind of compartmentalize and say, sure, this short-term benefit, this delicious taste of whatever food you're consuming, is that really more important than the long-term benefit of your health, your body shape, and how you look or how you feel? So him being able to kind of contextualize 
it that way, gave me a lot to think about, hopefully gave some other people a lot to think about. And we also got the question in about the finisher controversy when people were saying, oh, how does Gunther not have a finisher that he's not a great wrestler? That's the whole point is that you don't need one. And he certainly does not need one. I'm not going to go through the entire interview. You heard it, but I do appreciate the time from Gunther. And once again, I appreciate the opportunity from WWE giving us a chance to interview him. Now, normally in this spot, we would move on to my one-on-one interview with Bronson Reed. But as mentioned at the top of the show, the strangest thing happened. Our Bluetooth connection completely got crossed with someone else. So I basically recorded two interviews simultaneously on one audio file, which is terrible. I mean, that's all I can really tell you. So what I went ahead and did was I painstakingly listened to the entire interview and I transcribed it. So I'm gonna go ahead and tell you my questions and then give you his verbatim answers in quotes uh, for pretty much every single question in the interview with the exception of the first one. So the first question I asked was, what's the deal with this ridiculously talented group of Australian wrestlers that has come over to the United States and moved over to Europe and in Japan and just you know, proven that this country has perhaps as much talent as any other. And his answer was, there's something in the water down there. For the longest time, he felt like Australia was snubbed when it came to earning respect in the professional wrestling world. It was on an international television throughout the world in the 60s and 80s, went away for a while, and suddenly the talent has just reemerged. There's a bunch of big names down under who he believes will thrive if given the opportunity, whether with WWE, AEW, New Japan, or anywhere else. The second question I asked was that, when he was in NXT, he was having immense success. He start get, started getting called up to the main roster to basically do evaluations, dark matches before Raw and SmackDown. The idea was that Vince McMahon and whomever else was watching him wrestle and trying to decide whether to call him up to the main roster. But instead of actually calling him up, he got released. And my question was, did you get any feedback about that? What happened there? So he said he didn't get any feedback. And that whole time that was happening, he thought he was going to be joining SmackDown. So that's where we pick up. Now I'll give you what he actually said, his quote on the matter. He said, quote, when I got the call that I was getting released, it was not only shocking, it angered me and pushed me to thrive outside WWE. It was different management at the time. Obviously, time went on. You see someone like Triple H who was in charge of NXT at the time. He saw the value in Bronson Reed. And obviously, I had the North American title run with him. Once management changed and it sort of happened that my time was coming up in New Japan, It just worked out. I spoke with Triple H and I'm here now. So I asked him, hey, was it an easy or a tough decision to come back? And how did you feel after coming back? Vince McMahon briefly retaking control. Were you concerned about your career at any point? Bronson answered, quote, it was a tough decision. At the same time, I was in contract negotiations with New Japan and WWE. I sort of had to make a choice which way I was going to go. Not to big myself up, But if I was still in New Japan, I feel like I would be an IWGP champion now. But I didn't know what I could possibly be in WWE. That's what lured me to come back to WWE. I wanted to go to the main roster, Raw or SmackDown, and be on major events like Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. That was really the deciding factor. As you can see, I've been pretty much a staple on Monday Night Raw. Now it's about being part of these big events and proving what I can do. I feel like WWE is a place with a lot of opportunity, but it's also somewhere where you can go somewhere and fight. I wanted to prove to myself that I could be successful. 
So next, I asked him about his experience with pro wrestling Noah and if New Japan was always a place that was on his list to compete. He said, quote, New Japan was always something in the back of my mind that I wanted to be part of. When I signed with NXT, I was still watching wrestling, what was happening. It was growing exponentially, so it was definitely something I wanted to do. So I asked him how much wrestling do the superstars in WWE or just the trainees backstage in NXT, how much do they watch that is outside of the company? Bronson replied, quote, everyone is different. Every talent is different. Some people only watch WWE. For myself, I've been such a huge wrestling fan my whole life. I became a fan of Japanese wrestling when I was a teenager. My favorites were the great Muda and Kenta Kobayashi. So I did the Noah thing. New Japan was always on my radar and I still watch it to this day. I just watched Okada's last match at Cork and Hall against my good friend Shane. So I told him for me, it was the Okada Omega series that got me into New Japan. We bonded over that a little bit. Then I asked whether wrestling in Japan is something that he felt every wrestler should experience at least once. So Bronson replied, quote, 100%. For me, Japanese wrestlers start as young lions and get sent and have their excursions. I feel like talent, if you haven't done the indies, if you haven't traveled all over the world, or at least to a place like Japan, the scene is completely different to the scene here. It's valuable. It's something that makes your career. And I feel sorry for some of the athletes that come in and only see one side of the business. Hopefully there can be a talent exchange and some of these guys in NXT can go to Japan. I saw most recently, Charlie Dempsey went to All Japan Pro Wrestling. Hopefully we do more stuff like that. I asked him, hey, New Japan offers you the opportunity to you know, show a wider breadth of wrestling skill simply due to the differences in production, match style, wrestling, all that. Was coming back to the WWE limiting or restricting for him? Bronson replied, quote, I don't feel restricted, but it's 100% different type of performance. TV wrestling is really different than anything else. New Japan, we had the live shows, but then the pay-per-views are very different to the shows here. But I do find the WWE PLEs, people are getting more time to have larger scale matches, and I think we're only going to see more of that. My final question to him was, major names have gone through NXT. Sometimes fans look down on that and suggest that it's almost insulting to the talent, be it a Finn Balor, a Shinsuke Nakamura, or even potentially a Kazushka Okada if he was to sign. Do you feel that way? Or do you think there's valuable experience to gain there? He replied, quote, 100% valuable. Going to NXT before the main roster, you don't only learn how to work TV, but you work with so many legends. I mean, I worked with Shawn Michaels himself for nine months. That's invaluable. Just being able to pick his brain. You could be wrestling for 20 years. You're going to learn from Shawn Michaels and these guys. I think it's immensely valuable. And that's where we wrapped up our interview. He had to go speak with someone else. And of course, I told him that I appreciated how much time he gave us. So great opportunity to speak with Bronson Reed. I was not about to do a fake Australian accent. That would have been absolutely horrendous. I did think, I'll be honest with you, about hiring someone or calling someone uh, who has that kind of dialect or even using Siri. I actually tried to use Siri. It did not work at all uh, and have them be Bronson Reed, uh, but it didn't work and I wasn't going to kayfabe you in that manner. Uh, So I just wanted to give you the quotes that we got because I thought the interview was immensely interesting. Even if you had to hear them in my voice, at least you got to hear his answers. So with Bronson Reed all wrapped up, let's go ahead and conclude the show with our final interview from WrestleMania kick off that press junket they had over there. Again, getting over correspondent Jamie, checking in with Jade Cargill. 
obviously coming from AWWE, what has been the biggest difference to you to come from one one company of that scale to another? Um, this is the best that I can get when it comes to professional wrestling. This is a business that's been around for years on end. I mean, again, we're about to, we just kicked off WrestleMania 40. Who can say that? They have a staple that cannot be replaced. My family and my friends were so ecstatic. And let me tell you, my friends and my family are not wrestling fans. And when they heard I was coming to this company, for once, they jumped up in joy and were so happy for me because they were familiar with WWE and what they bring to the table and superstars that have come through here like Stone Cold, The Rock, Hulk Hogan, China, which I'm a huge fan of. So, um, it's been great. As a, as a fan, what, when you look at WrestleMania 40 years of you know, incredible shows. What What is your favorite WrestleMania match? I have a couple. Right now, I love, I'm rooting for the women. The Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair match was one of one. It was very, it was so many emotions. Before the match even started, you just seen the emotions on the faces. Um, two astounding women that were owning the ring. And obviously, we've only seen you at the Rumble. Yeah. Uh, I think... You know, I was thinking about how when Cody hit the Indies and he wrote a list of people you want to wrestle. Do you yeah. have your own list of people of superstars you want to get in the ring I'm with? I'm taking down everybody. I wish they would let us wrestle men because I would take them down too. Um, Bianca is the match of the, uh, this, the century that everybody can say that they're looking forward to. But Rhea Ripley and I, Charlotte Flair and I, Becky Lynch and I, there's so many people in that locker room that we can have dream matches with. Um, I'm here to enhance the roster and to bring that star power and to kick some butt along the way. Thanks to Jade there. And obviously, once again, thanks to our getting over correspondent, Jamie, for making the effort and doing those two interviews with Jade and Seth Rollins. And folks, that wraps up this special edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. I hope everyone found this experience and this episode valuable, of course, to listen to. It's the first time I think we've ever put together a interview wrap-up episode like this. It's something I had done previously on my other shows when I'd been given the opportunity to attend some of these press junkets. And look, you know, we've had conversations here about is the Silver King going to go to WrestleMania 40? We know vintage Chris Vanini is planning on going right now. He has some other job responsibilities to, you know, handle while he's over there. If I go, it's going to be for interviews, for access, and for all this type of stuff. So really what I'm going to try to find out, I'm just being completely candid with all of you, is I'm going to see if I can get like a quiet space in my whole setup and have people actually come to the show and be able to sit down and do, you know, 10, 15 minute interviews one-on-one with select talent. If we do, then I think the cost and the expense and the experience will all be worthwhile going up to Philadelphia. If not, it might be a little bit more difficult uh, to justify if we're going to kind of get interviews like this. And that's nothing against WWE whatsoever. It's my preparation. I didn't do a good job with the equipment. I didn't do a good job with the planning of the entire situation. So in the future, uh, the Silver King will try to be better on site. But nevertheless, I mean, we're still walking out of here. Gunther, Chad Gable, Otis, uh, the Creed Brothers, Obviously, Bronson Reed, I wish you got to hear it. And of course, thanks to Jamie for getting us Seth Rollins and Jade Cargill. So an interesting show. Hopefully you guys uh, found it immensely informative. I hope you did. So please allow me to hit you with some reminders on the way out. First, that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about Defy. So please head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings. 
on Apple, take a little extra time, leave a five-star written review. If you do, we'll read it live right here on the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for episode drops, news, analysis, highlights, all of that good stuff. It is also where you can tweet and DM us questions and comments for the show. You can also email us, gettingoverpod at gmail.com. And lastly, please remember, I happen to love the number five. And I hope you do as well, because for $5 a month or 50 for the entire year, you can become an official Getting Overhead. Just visit buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Sign up, you will get bonus audio, the fastest five minutes in professional wrestling and exclusive news posts as well. All of them at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Thank you all for listening to this special edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. This is the Silver King signing off and leaving you with just three final words. Bye for now.